are the Practical Medicine Podcast presenters. I'm Dr. Stephanie Lipnicki. And I'm Dr. Rob Balco. And it's our goal to bring awareness about the many different ways to maintain health and heal your body, mind, and spirit from acupuncture to Zen living and everything in between. So we're not just going to cover acupuncture and the different you know, modalities that we're trained in. We're going to have guest speakers and try and cover other topics to help maintain health. So um, as old as traditional Asian medicine is, I feel like a lot of people don't know all the things that we can do. So we want to share those things. Um, and even in New Jersey here, not a lot of people. There's not even a lot of us. I think there's 1,100 acupuncturists here in New Jersey where we are. So, And maybe um, not that many practicing. Yeah. there's <clears throat> That's the other thing that comes up all the time, how many of them are actually actively practicing or just mm -hmm. have their license. So... Um, I'm going to let you introduce yourself first, Dr. Okay. Rob. My name is Rob Balco. I um, started actually uh, my career uh, as a programmer at AT&T. I got my bachelor's degree in math and went to AT&T Bell Labs and was a programmer for um, about eight, nine years. And then I got into network management, network engineering, and I went to a... Um, a small startup and was traveling around the country a lot, traveling overseas a lot, living in hotels, eating a lot of bad food. And I got sick and I came home and um, we knew of a, a local guy we called the shaman. He was a former Catholic priest who was an acupuncturist. And oh, I, did, cool. I didn't know he was an acupuncturist. I just knew he was taking care of my kids at the time who were three and newborn. And uh, so I went to him <clears throat> and I started to feel better. We became friends and I thought, wouldn't it be really cool to learn what he does? Because he's actually healing people versus covering up symptoms and stuff like that. Right. So I looked into the school and um, got all ready. I got all my paperwork ready to go. And I said, uh, I can't do this. I have two little kids. This is irresponsible and selfish of me. And then I got laid off. So three, six months, uh, about three or four months later, uh, I started school in January of 2002. And... Um, been practicing for 15 years now, and I love it. Cool. So I'm Stephanie Lipnicki, and I actually started on this path, I guess you could say, in high school. So I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. I was pretty set on that was what I was going to do, and I was dating someone who his stepmother said, well, if you think you want to do that, you should go to massage school while you're in high school, and That's that great. was what I did. So my teacher was an acupuncturist, although that wasn't my first exposure to it, to acupuncture itself. My mother had gone when I was a very young kid because she was super tiny, weighed 85 pounds after having kids. And she actually went for acupuncture to gain weight. And wow. she did not excessive weight, but enough weight that she didn't have to worry if she got the flu that it would do her in. Um, and I fell in love with it. And at the time, I still thought I wanted to do physical therapy. And I, you know, went to Kane for a couple of years and lost interest in PT and then decided, sure, I wanted to go to acupuncture school. And I went and looked in New York at PCOM at the time. They were located in the Omega Institute. And um, they said, well, where do you want to practice? And I said, New Jersey. And they said, then don't come here. <laughs> they said, finish your bachelor's degree, because in New Jersey, we our standards are a little different even than some other states. And we have to have the bachelor's. So I did that at Rutgers and then decided I was going to go to acupuncture school after I had kids. 
And then I had trouble having kids and thought rather than stay home and be depressed, I had my bachelor's and I figured I would go to acupuncture school then. So that was around 2001. And then a year into it, I got pregnant with my twins. So it took me from 2001 <laughs> to 2009 to finish with acupuncture school. But um, in the interim, I was a massage therapist and an esthetician. And then probably around, I guess, 2011, I stopped doing massage and focused pretty much on the acupuncture itself. That's great. So, And I did the acupuncture and herbal program, but mm -hmm. you just you just did the acupuncture program. Right. Yeah, the Eastern School of New Jersey didn't have a herbal program at the time. And now they do. Right. So, um, and we were talking about the first books that we read, and, and we actually did not read the same first book that made us fall in love with Asian medicine. So mine was right. The Web That Has No Weaver. Which is a fantastic book. Which you've read, but you mm -hmm. said yours yeah. was... Actually, uh, the first book my acupuncturist gave me uh, was... Uh, illegible to me. I, I couldn't understand anything that was said. <laughs> and uh, so I gave it back to him and I was like, maybe this isn't for me. Okay. And then I saw this, this black spine book on his, on his shelf that said uh, Nourishing Destiny. Okay. And that looked kind of interesting to me, written by Lonnie Jarrett. And I read that and it, it just blew my mind. And okay. um, I don't know if you know Janice McKenzie, an, an acupuncturist from Pennsylvania, no. also a teacher. Uh, she lent me some tapes uh, audio tapes of lectures that he had done. Okay. And it really opened my mind to the full uh, body focus of acupuncture. Right. We're not just treating, a, you know, a, a carpal tunnel or a headache or right. eye strain or migraines or insomnia or fertility even. Uh, we're really treating the whole person. Right. Because in in this medicine, one thing impacts the other. They're, they're mm. not taking them as separate things where a lot of times when you go to a Western practitioner, it's just the headache, maybe not the stress leading up to the headache or the fact that your diet has been in the crapper for a year right. and that the headache is coming from the fact that you're not eating nourishing foods. And so I mm -hmm. actually mm -hmm. have not read mm -hmm. any of Lonnie Jarrett's books yet. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Anne Jeffries, who was one of my herbs teachers, who I loved in all of my classes, she talked about his books all the time. But there are so many books that I just haven't gotten around to reading any of his yet. Yeah, there's a lot out there. Yeah, but everybody speaks so highly of them. So mm -hmm. they're on mm -hmm. my to read list. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of your favorite things to treat? Some of my favorite things to treat. Um one thing I treat a lot is allergies. I probably treated four people yesterday for allergies. I have a system that is computerized, and we'll okay. do a, we'll do a segment on that where uh, there's no needles involved, and it's it's similar to uh, a lot of allergy systems out there where um, we're exposing the person to a substance or a representation of the substance, a homeopathic representation of the substance, often, and then a simple treatment down the spine, and I get huge results. I really, the only um, problems I've had are with people who are overly exposed to something or who have a compromised immune system. Kind of like a chemical exposure? Or? Uh, yeah, yeah, or just um, over overexposure, like, okay. a, like a dog trainer who's constantly exposed to different dogs okay. over and over again, and they're predisposed to having some immune function suppression. Okay. Right? So you got, you know, immune and, and allergies kind of go going hand in hand you know, opposite each other. Right. So that's one, um, shoulder problems. I, I probably yesterday I treated five people for shoulder oh, impingement, great. um, frozen shoulder, thoracic outlet syndrome. Um, and I have this, this protocol I learned while I was at the Eastern school in 2003, four that uh, works fantastic 
and um, it just as soon as I hear shoulder, you know, on the telephone, someone's calling about a shoulder. I'm like, come on in. I I got you. We're right. going to take care of you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you? So I love treating gynecological conditions, anything from irregular menstruation to um, fertility concerns, menopause, and of course, endometriosis, which I have, is one of my favorite things to treat because I like seeing people not so dependent on the Western meds, which are really just a Band-Aid to block mm -hmm. the pain. And endometriosis is something without a cure. So I, I love gynecological conditions. I feel like we're so trained to think that pain is normal, especially with when it comes to GYN things. It's right. like, just take this pill. Just <clears throat> keep taking these pills. And yeah. they're Band-Aids. It's not fixing what the problem is. And we have so many different ways of breaking those different gynecological conditions down and treating yeah. them. Like even someone who has painful menstruation, five patients could be in front of us and it's not, they're not going to have the same treatment because mm -hmm. their diet might be different and their stress levels might be different. Their age might vary, but their chief complaint to us is, is the same. The same. Right. And uh, I also like treating cosmetic, believe mm -hmm. it or not. Before we get into that, I just wanted to say it's great that you can relate to them because you've lived through it. Right. You know, so that that really helps put them at ease to understand, okay, she knows exactly where I've been right. with this. Yeah. You know? And the other point I wanted to make is I, I see so many young women who say, well, yeah, I have, um, you know, headaches associated with my period, but my mom said that's just the way it is because that's right. what her mom told her. Right. So and you it's have this... not, it's not like right. there, there's this mantra, I feel like in our medicine that painful periods are not normal. And yeah. it's like, you can't emphasize that enough, how just painful periods are not normal. Yeah. Um, so, and, we, and we've seen the news recently that, you know, um, women's pain is sort of downplayed, right? Ignored, yes. you know, or not even believed in some right. cases. Right. And then take into to consideration other factors that, um, I've been doing a lot more research to see across cultures mm -hmm. that black women will say they are dismissed. That there's a historical component where um, it was believed that they didn't feel pain the same way. There was a lot of gynecological, there's a lot of gynecological history of stuff that was done that we've learned from that was torturous to, to black women at the time mm -hmm. that it was done. So there's just, there's so much to it. Um, and I, I like treating, I like doing cosmetic acupuncture because mm -hmm. there's this component that even though it sounds like it's a vanity aspect of it, mm -hmm. if you f look in the mirror and you feel good mm -hmm. about the image that you're looking at, that you feel better all over. Right. And, and usually when we're treating, like comparing some of the Western modalities that you could look to, to improve your appearance, um, our medicine treats the whole body. Like even mm -hmm. when I'm doing cosmetic acupuncture, yes, I'm putting needles in the face, but they're getting a body treatment every single time. So mm -hmm. they're like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm not getting hot flashes as much. Or mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't notice this before, but now that I'm getting acupuncture, I realize that I did have digestive problems. And now my digestion is, is better than it was before. Yeah. So yeah. I, I like that component of it yeah. too. There's a lot to be said for what's outside reflecting inside. Right. There's a, a, I read of a study back when I was in school about how they, they had people pose in va various facial expressions uh, for uh, illustrative purposes. They were okay. doing, they were doing a, a book on muscle structure and stuff like that. And that the people who smiled were more than happy to come back the next day, but the people who were asked to frown 
or grimace really didn't want to come back anymore. They didn't even want the money that they were being paid for the day. They said, listen, I'm out. I quit. Did they, they had seen yeah. the images that people no, were. They weren't seeing what they were. They were um, what was being drawn of them. But having frowned all day, the way it felt. They, they felt miserable. That's fantastic. So there's a you know, reflection back and forth, right. you know, and even recently there's other studies that show if you hold your arms above your head, it actually changes your physiology. Okay. And what do people do when they win? Yes. They put right. their hands above their heads. Yeah. Right? Sports and the, teams. It, it went even further to state that people who were born blind, who don't see all those visual cues. Okay. When they have a success, they'll throw their arms up. Interesting. Yeah. Pretty I fascinating. That's so cool. Yeah. So, and the other thing, of course, now, you know, and I realize that some people may listen to this on a recorded version, hopefully years down the line, but I feel like <laughs> I see a lot of COVID stress syndrome right oh, now yeah. that people are, there's so many aspects to COVID that are causing stress The mm-hmm. you know, the, the mask debate about whether or not to wear mm-hmm. a mask, which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to put this out there that I am all for wearing the mask. Mm-hmm. I wear my mask to protect everyone else around me. Um, you know, some people are are working from home. Their children are going to school from home. So I, that's my, you know, term mm-hmm. that I've coined mm-hmm. this COVID stress syndrome yeah. that a lot of people are coming in with. Yeah. And, you know, in our medicine, we talk about how the energy of the body moves. When stress comes in, it, it messes with that pattern of how the energy moves and causes blockages and then creates other problems with sleep issues and anxiety and, and all of these other mm-hmm. things going on. So just yep. even to get yep. acupuncture for the stress aspect, it, it's amazing with right. that. Right. Yep. And the isolation. You know, I know some people who have not been back to work for yeah. 10, 12 weeks. They live by themselves. They really just go out to the store to get food. Yeah. Maybe go out for a drive, but there's nowhere to go. Yeah. So that has a major uh, effect on the psyche. Yeah. Right. Which then, of, of course, then you're sitting at home. You're not really moving. You're not exercising. Your body needs right. to move and exercise. Right. So right. you have all this oxidative stress putting pressure on your body to function. Right. You know. And that brings up that whole thing that we're taught um, the saying about how where there is no movement, there is pain. Where there is pain, there is no movement. So if you're more sedentary and you're not moving around, then, yeah, you're going to have all these other things that happen with it. And, and I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was stress eating through the beginning of mm-hmm. COVID. I sure. think I gained maybe 15 to 20 pounds from like just eating crappy, disgusting food that then for me, because of the endometriosis creates yeah. an additional inflammatory component. Right. And then it causes me to have lower back pain and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. Right, and right. I finally had to go, Oh my God, you have to stop, you sure. know, stay away sure. from the sugar, stop yeah. eating sugary sweets and get away from them because it's just, I mean, we all love the way sugar tastes, but it's crack. it is, yeah, it's crack. <laughs> it's the root yeah. of evil in yeah. my life for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. I treat a bunch of social workers and they're all telling me all their patients you know, they're doing Zoom calls with patients and they're just crazy stressed out. Yeah. Right? That people who would barely have a drink are now drinking regularly. Oh, wow. Right? And then small children who are used to being allowed out and running around, they're really they're suffering because they, they're, they're restricted. Yeah. You know? And it's just they don't understand the whys behind that. Right. They could be told. Yeah. Right. But they still can't reason 
well, that doesn't, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, so they struggle too. And not know. being able to see their friends. I mean, right. as adults, we want to be able to see right. our friends and kids right. want to be able to see their friends too. Right. So right. that aspect. And even yeah. them with the schools that are going back in person, yeah. my kids are in a hybrid program. So they go in two days and they're wearing a mask. So I, I said, at one point I was like, are any of your friends in, in your classes? And at first they didn't, they couldn't really tell because they're, they're seated apart from each other and um but they mm-hmm. mine are happy to be back in person that's good yeah. yeah it's one of the reasons i set up uh in my office a stress express treatment what i, I call, love that right I it's love lo- it. uh, low cost and it's simple uh, you know the protocol it's uh, all ear points but it has an incredible um effect on the sympathetic nervous system to calm people down Get things moving, flush out the toxins in the body, yeah. and help them sleep better. And it's as simple as that, but it's as powerful as that. It's, right? It's, it's great. You know, some people they really key in on it. They're, they yeah. have their spot every every week. They're there at you know nine o'clock on Thursday or eleven o'clock on Wednesday, whatever it is, and they can't wait for that treatment. It gets them yeah. through the week. And that's the thing. That's and we'll get into that. The regularity is mm-hmm. so important, especially yeah. with you know some, during this time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what have you, you know, used acupuncture for, for your own benefit and care? Well, I had um, terrible back pain uh, back then when I first started. And um, that was an incredible help. Really what got me into it wasn't even the acupuncture. It was the herbs. It was the Chinese okay. medicine that my shaman was uh, using with me. Right. Was, um to clear out some toxins. As I said, I was eating horrible food and too much of it. You know, I, I thought it would be, oh, this would be a great idea. I'll eat the fruit for breakfast at the hotel. Well, the food okay. is really mostly melons and watermelon, a lot of sugar, yeah. stuff like that, you know. So I wound up really with like a sugar overload and a lot of inflammation in the body. Yeah. So that was the, a big, big help for me, right? And then uh, I guess the next thing would be what we were just talking about is um, stress relief, yeah. stress reduction, you know. Having two little kids being laid off, stuff like that. Yeah. It really got me through that. Yeah. How about you? So for me, um, when I was in massage school, I did get treatments from my teacher. Um, at the time, I didn't know I had endometriosis, but I knew that what was going on was not normal. Even though I had been to Western docs and they kept telling me, well, it's just painful periods. It's just painful periods. By the time I got someone to listen to me, I was 28. And, and when she went in... I think the doctor's exact words were she had never seen anything that bad in her life so far. It was such a mess. Um, And it was stage four endometriosis at that point. So Mm -hmm. my massage instructor, I was doing acupuncture and herbs. And I agree with some conditions. It's the herbs are even more critical than the acupuncture. Because Mm -hmm. when we talk about the the needles move things, but if there's nothing there to move, like if you don't, if you're deficient. And so the herbs kind of build that up or get rid of what's toxic. Um, And then I used it... um, for fertility, because with having the endometriosis, that impedes the process of getting pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. I, I eventually had to do IVF, and it worked on the very first cycle. And I attribute it to getting acupuncture once or twice a week in the whole year before. And I had to have surgeries. And every time I had a surgery, the doctors were always amazed at the recovery time, given the nature of the surgical procedures Mm. that they were doing. And I was like, yeah, it's because I did (laughs) my homework before I came in. That's right. So it does. It makes you heal that much faster. Yeah. 
that's um, a huge component of acupuncture I find for people, whether it's herbs or acupuncture is post-op yeah. healing. Yeah. Yep. So much. And I mean, even my scarring is minimal. The most recent mm-hmm. surgery I had, which I think, you know, I was almost dead at the point that they did these surgeries. Um, I was, I, it took longer than I wanted to, to come back to work. I had surgeries in July and couldn't go back to work until October. But I think if, you know, when I think of what happened, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if anybody else, if they weren't getting treated, would have been back to work as quickly. I was taking so many herbs to build back up all the blood that I lost. So I feel, I feel like if you're going to have surgery for anything, you should be searching out an acupuncturist and getting treated ahead of time and seeing what herbs you can be on to heal from it that much quicker. Absolutely. So, um, so I think we should talk a little bit about what our medicine includes, even though the future podcasts are going to talk about other ways to stay well. Um, I brought some of the tools and Rob bought brought some tools that we're going to show everybody. So obviously acupuncture um, and using needles is one of the primary ways. So, and I, you know, I know from far away, the camera probably can't see, but there are 10 needles in this pack. I'm going to open it up. And I'm, the emphasis for me is that from this far away, you can't even see it when people are afraid of what we do. I'm like, the needles are as thin as a strand of hair. Um, Do you tube needle? Or do you freehand? I freehand. See, I freehand too. So the the needles come with a little tube, which that might be a little bit more visible than the needle is because it has a color to it. But I don't use the tube. I just use the needle. Um, And this was one of my favorite things when my kids were little because I was in school when they were little was that I would go in and my daughter would let me needle her in front of like her whole class. (laughs) And they'd be like, oh, doesn't it hurt? And so... It, it really doesn't. I mean, it's you barely feel it. Even when you hook up Eastem, it feels really good. And, um, you know, there's when I pull it out, there's, you know, my arm is not bleeding. It's totally safe. They're single-use disposable, so I'm going to throw this in my little container that I have for my used needles. Um, and when I do cosmetic acupuncture, the needles are even tinier. They're like... I think five millimeters goes into the skin. It's really insignificant. Yeah. And and they're even thinner. So there's two aspects to a needle, right? The length of it and the thickness of the needle itself. And facial needles or ear needles are so thin that you can't put them in without a tube sometimes. Yeah. Right? Like a lot of the searing ones. Uh, So you tap it in with the tube and then you try to push a little further and sometimes it's hard to to get it in any deeper than that, you know. I think the only ones I use a tube with are those super long ones. The super long ones when you put them in the the butt muscle because I feel like it's so long and I don't want to touch the entire length of the needle. You mean the gluteus? Yeah, the gluteus muscle. muscle. yeah. Anatomist following. Yes. Here. For those who are who are <laughs> versed in anatomy, the gluteus right. maximus and minimus. You and, go. you know, the bigger, the longer People. the needle. <laughs> yeah. When you have a lot of cushion back there, like I do, you can use a bigger needle there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so another uh, tool that we do, you do gua sha at your bit. clinic. Yeah. So this is a flat little piece and. You use this to do a technique called gua sha, which is a scraping along the muscle. So usually I use a little bit of massage oil. And the most common areas I use this on are the back, neck, and shoulders. Mm -hmm. And you do this scraping technique. 
And you do it until the skin gets very, very red and looks almost like it has a rug burn on it. So, and it doesn't take much. I mean, not that you can see on camera, but my skin is already getting fairly red. Um, I just love the way it feels. Um, it, it's, and I used this on my kids when they were little. Um, that you learn in pediatrics, at least at PCOM we did, um, that you can bring a fever down on little kids by scraping along either side of their spine. Mm -hmm. um, and you could, you know, I've taught parents to do it with their fingers to just repeatedly go like this on either side of the spine. Mm -hmm. And it works. It's worked in my kids to bring down sure. a fever. Um, so then the other favorite of mine is cupping. Mm -hmm. I love cupping. Do you do fire cupping? Or? I love cupping. Yes, I and love cupping. Cup. These are little heart-shaped cups. <laughs> and actually, I think it's um, Tanisha Dandridge. Is, she's started with, um, she's going to be selling star-shaped cups. Hers aren't <laughs> going to be fire cups. They're going to be the, the one with the like pressure pump. pump. Yep. Do you do that or mm -hmm. do you do fire? I have both. Yeah. Okay, so I don't. I only have fire. I'm like a child. Yeah. I like playing with fire. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> so I always use the fire <laughs> cups. But the love cups make a little heart-shaped um, demarcation or, you know, mm -hmm. the an energy that comes up. And cupping, I feel mm -hmm. like, recently was made um, kind of brought attention to because mm -hmm. Michael Phelps mm -hmm. showed up at the Olympics mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. a lot of cupping mm -hmm. marks. So, which was great for us. Sure. I mean, I feel like it, it opens up the conversation with people right. and right. Yeah, it was really cool. <clears throat> yep. And they have nice little, nice little bottom there. Yeah. You know, they're, they're also now being used by hipsters as, um, whiskey. Glasses. Oh, stop for real. <laughs> I, I, I kid that. you. I kid you not. <laughs> That's so maybe that'll lower the price of them with yeah, more, more production. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. 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 Um, so I do. You do moxa. Mm -hmm. I do moxa as well. So I don't do the kind that's as smoky because I do have other people in the building where I am. So this is. Um, smokeless moxa which some people either don't like that you're using it or you know mm -hmm. sometimes you get a little flack for being someone who uses smokeless moxa who's, who's giving you the flack though i've in groups right well that doesn't matter because what matters are the patients right and right. It, it works so i use this a lot um if if with fertility patients mm -hmm. if their belly is cold mm -hmm. um there's that saying that you know you want this mm -hmm. warm and mm -hmm. fertile uterus mm -hmm. So I like using moxa on the belly for that. Um, even if a baby is not breech, mm -hmm. when I'm getting my moms ready for labor in the weeks before they're supposed to go into labor, I still do it on UB67, even if the baby mm -hmm. is not breech. Mm -hmm. I feel like their labor is smoother. They need nice. less drugs. They've, they've report back that they feel like they've dilated rather quickly when they compare their births to friends' births. Not that we should be comparing, but... Mm -hmm. um, they'll usually come back with a second baby because they feel like nice. their labor was so good. Yeah. Um, I don't do a lot of tween that. Do you? <clears throat> uh, I would just add oh, to sorry. that, you know, I, I can see the per point of that where, you know, you're warming the muscle tissues, right? Right. Uh, these, this, the uterus is incredible, right? It starts about, how much, about this yeah. big. And now it's holding six, eight, nine pounds of baby plus right. other stuff, fluid, yeah. placenta. And yet now it needs to relax Right. And, and, and let go. Warmth is going to help it relax. That's, you know, we'll get into heat, cold and dry, damp stuff, which is a major part of diagnosis right. in Chinese medicine. So people will understand that a little better. But you're basically warming the muscle. It's like, you know, doing some stretches before yeah. you run a marathon. 
Yeah. Because yeah. for some, it's like a marathon. <laughs> right. So, I, and I use a lot more of it in the um, wintertime, too. Mm-hmm. I've also mm-hmm. done, sure. I have the, they call it a tiger warmer, where mm-hmm. you put the thinner yep. stick yep. in, and yep. I do it, like, on the back of nice. the neck, yep. where wind would get in and cause trouble. Yep. I had a patient, I uh, asked me to purchase one for her. She the tiger could, one. So she could take it home. Yeah. No <laughs> I'm problem. I'm always sure. so like afraid of doing that because <laughs> my mentor once told me this story about she sent someone home with a, with a moxa stick and a oh, drawing boy. and everything like oh, saying boy. this is and and when they came back they're like am I supposed to touch the skin and she was like give it back to me she's like you can't have this anymore <laughs> I was like oh no and I'm always afraid that would be me I'll give it to somebody they'll burn, their, they'll house burn their house down, down. they'll burn their skin. So it doesn't actually, it's lit on fire, but you're not actually touching it to the skin. You hold it over the skin mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, warm specific points. Right. Also really good on that, the point, there's a point on the leg that I feel like it's the most important point. Like if you're only going to needle one point, stomach 36 there is like go. the point that you would needle. So it's yep. on the outside of the leg. So I feel like Mox mm-hmm. is really good on that sure. point. Yeah. And it's a really good point today for uh, immune boosting. Yes. Right. While we're concerned about viruses and things like that, it's um, for stamina. Right? Yeah. Um, but more than anything, you know, immune. Yeah. That's that's the big thing. It's if there's one point I teach people about. I show them where that is. Yeah. And I have them mox it, or I have them at least stimulate it with their thumb or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great and point. Do it, do it for their kids too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, you do more of this than I do. Tai Chi and mm-hmm. Qigong. Mm-hmm. I I mean I did it as part of school. I loved it, and I don't know if because of where I live. Yep. Where there's not really classes and I don't feel equipped to teach it. Yeah. I, I think t- Tai Chi and Qigong are so fantastic for moving the Qi and staying healthy. Right. And you do yeah. more of that than yeah. I do. Yeah. I've studied uh, overseas in Thailand and um, Bhutan uh, with some people with that. Also in the United States. <clears throat> um, and it really encompasses the entire body and the mind and breathing. Right. Uh, just as an example, you know, you might have a certain movement in your hand, and what you're really doing is, is stimulating the channels on the arm, which then relate to the lung, the large intestine, et cetera, to open up that channel and get things flowing. Right. right? Uh, breathing techniques will actually elicit in the body a release of gases that your blood chemistry needs to right. function better that will help suppress uh, you know, the stress response, uh, stimulate the parasympathetic uh, nervous system, which is your rest and digest system, right? right? To help you better digest food, sleep better, things like that. Right. Uh, and of course, you know, with that focus is the mind focus. And I'll use some of that actually to sleep when I, when I have trouble sleeping. I can engage some of that and put myself Quiet to sleep mind. in, you know, three minutes, five minutes, something That's like great. that. When I really need to. Um, it, it, and there's so many different styles, you know, but my my uh, suggestion with people is pick pick one, anyone. It's it's right. in, in that regard. I don't want to compare it to yoga, but it's like yoga in that regard. It's get started, you know, just get do a little bit of it. Right. See, and, and you'll feel the benefits. You'll feel the the, um, the results of that. Um, <clears throat> I actually have a, a guy I know. He created a whole series of videos online. And you just purchase that one time and you have it forever. That's so you can fantastic. watch it from your phone. You can watch it from a laptop. You can cast it to your TV. You oh, know, if you want to get cool. a bigger example, and he and he will show you the, the pose and the movement uh, from the front and then from the side. Oh, so nice. So you know exactly the way you're supposed to be standing, whether your knees are bent a little bit, whether your hips are 
bent a little bit or not. You know, you want to be nice and relaxed, you know, so okay, you can see cool. all that, which is really, really helpful. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what about Tweena? I don't do much tween on. Neither do I. Yeah. I think because my background was in massage. Right, right. And I, you know, I just. Well, I let's feel, talk about what tween on is. So it's, I feel like it's a more intense technique. A lot yeah. of it is at the tendinal attachments mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like plucking the muscle mm-hmm. and pulling at it. And yeah. um, one of my teachers who had passed away after I graduated she was very into it it can involve bone setting Mm -hmm. um it's i think it's a lot it's associated very closely with a lot of the martial arts forms Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of the broken bones and the bruising and getting people back on the floor to do those sorts of yeah Yeah, i think it's like thai massage in a way it's it's not relaxing yeah it's it's not swedish massage you know it's not something you fall asleep getting you know you endure it right and i (laughs) feel like but it's very therapeutic and helpful and then when you compare it to like shiatsu i feel like shiatsu focuses more on you know the channels Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, it's even mm -hmm. different from that as a technique yeah Yeah. Yeah. and i mean like i said i came from a background of being a massage therapist for so many years i think by the time i got there i was to school i was like really i don't want to learn any more massage techniques i'm done with this can't we learn something new um and then I just also brought um, some tools that I have that when I when you treat pediatrics, little kids, they don't always let you um, put needles in. Mm-hmm. So they, sure. there are little tools that they have. And I apologize for anyone who's going to listen to this and not have the visual because you won't get to see this. Um, but there are little um, you can this one is like a roller with spikes and you would roll it on their skin and again, scraping like you would with gua sha, poking on the points a little bit. Um, I've, I've started with this and then usually been able to work my pediatric patients yeah. up to the point of getting needles. Mm-hmm. And what age, what age would you say that is where you start to put needles in kids? Well, I mean, so I used to bring mine into the pediatrics class yeah. and Melanie Caton was the instructor and she used to tell the class, you cannot go by these kids because I think around four or yeah, five, right. you can get them needled. But right. like my daughter would ask for it at right. the age three because yeah. she grew up mm-hmm. with me doing all of this. Right. And, you know, she would come in the room and say, I want it at this point. So, I mean, you right. can start at three. Yeah. You but, can but start massaging at a baby's child age. Who's not used to any kind of or really Anywhere their experience. Between. Like, Let's look at a, a typical American kid. Their experience is going to be. Going to the doctor and getting right. a shot. Right. So needles are out. Well, so that's that's an even funnier story. So my daughter in kindergarten, they had a picture of a doctor giving a shot. And my daughter drew like the cartoon bubble around it. And it said, oh, cool, a shot. And the teacher was like, if, you know, because I know what you do, the context of it makes sense. But she said, no other kid right. was going to write, oh, cool, a shot. Because right. my daughter associated needles with my needles, not right. the right. shots from the doctor's office. Because right. this you're doing more frequently. And most of the kids I treat, it's um, ADD, ADHD, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. allergies. Those are the common yeah. things with kids yeah. that I see. And, and I would venture to guess these tools that you're using, right, with them are very effective and you need to do it very little. Yes. Short duration, yeah. right? right? First of all, their energy is super vital, right? Yeah, you don't need to do It doesn't take lot. much to redirect it. Yes. Right? 
Very um, little so when they're, you're they're, doing kids. You know, it's, you're spending more time probably corralling them and yes. talking to them and talking to mom. <laughs> Drawing on the them. table paper to try and keep their attention. Right. Yeah, their yep. treatments are very short. And when you do start needling in the beginning, you're just putting it in and taking the needle out. Mm-hmm. You're not, there's mm-hmm. no retention where yeah. when, when adults come and see us, they're laying on the table for a period of time. Sure. Which kind of segues yeah. into how mm-hmm. long our treatments take. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were... When we talk about an intake for a patient who comes into our office as a new patient, their first visit might be 60 to 90 minutes. And I loved your right, analogy right, with right. the time spent with a Western versus um, right. an Eastern practitioner. Mm-hmm. Which is typically when you go to a Western doctor, <clears throat> you go into the office, you sit sit down, wait in the waiting room for about 45 minutes, see a doc for about five minutes, and you're out the door. Right. And in our offices, you walk in and before you know it, you're you're in a room and you spend about 45 minutes with us and then you're out the door. Right. And yeah. you're and you're getting a treatment for that time. Right. So and I mean, so I, you're not waiting for 45 minutes right. in, the, in the room or anything. where then they go in and they take your blood pressure and your blood pressure is up because <laughs> you've been sitting in the waiting right. room for Looking 45 at the, minutes. Wondering if you'll make it to your next Right. You know, a commitment for the day. I just said to someone, I waited in a GYN office once for an hour and a half in the robe. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to get dressed again. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. why am I sitting here like this? And I, I get that they had an emergency, but mm-hmm. I probably needed five acupuncture treatments after that visit. Right. So and some of the other <laughs> things that we do when we're doing our intake, similar to when you see a Western doc, like with with the shoulder stuff, I'm assuming yeah. you do a lot of orthopedic tests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, take them through like range of motion right, and right. that sort of thing. Have a nice long haul. They'll walk down. I'll see their gait, um, if they're carrying anything or holding anything. And, of course, like you're saying, the orthopedic assessments would be done right. too. <clears throat> the the rooms I have, uh, one I have has no windows, which for some people is nice. Yeah. Uh, I used to have all my rooms had no windows in, the, in another place. And people love it. They, they're in the dark. Or they'll say, leave a little lamp on or something yeah. like that. And I can have like a little nightlight or I can have full light. I'll leave a door open for someone. If yeah. they're, they're a little claustrophobic, they wouldn't leave the door open. Um, but there's artwork on the walls. Uh, I have heated mats on the tables. Yeah. I, I have bio mats. I which love are, the heated mat. It's an infrared uh, mat yes. with a, a number of different... Um, minerals on it. Tourmaline is one. And the main one is... Um, amethyst. Amethyst. Yeah. Thank you. I almost the amethyst Biomat. Yeah. Uh, people people love it. They swear by it. You know, um, I actually have that as a treatment by itself for some people who want to just come and do that. They don't want to do the needles or they don't want to spend that much money. We'll do that. Um, so that you know, the experience is a lot more yeah. comfortable for and them. music. We have uh, usually music. most most of my patients opt for having music on in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's that whole relaxing atmosphere. Right. Um, and we so our intakes are in depth in the sense that we're looking at a patient's tongue to see what's going on with their digestion, how hydrated they are. So things that, you know, when your Western doc looks in your mouth, they're looking to see the state of your throat, a little bit of the tongue. But we are looking at the tongue a little bit more because we can sure. make an assessment about what's going on on a deeper level. I do a lot more with the pulse than the tongue. The quality is it moves through the body. So where mm-hmm. Western practitioner is feeling the rate, we're feeling the quality. And, and there's all these different attributes. Like, is it thin? Is it full? Is it deep? Is it towards the top? Is it robust? You know, and those mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. Wiry, yeah. ready. You know, it, <clears throat> yeah, it, it, it's like any 
capability, people will say, how do you, how can you tell that? We'll say, well, we've been holding, checking pulses for 15 right. years and 20. No. Well, so I didn't start yeah. around the same time. Okay. Yeah. So in terms of the, right. the Asian medicine. Yeah. yeah. It, it's like anything. It's like when you walk in, in your shoes and you can feel something on the ground, you develop a sensitivity right. like anything. Like, like when we find uh, points on the body. Right. right that are I just told tender. someone yesterday, I said, in a perfectly healthy body, you can't find the point because there's no deviation in the skin and the muscle. Right. Right. So, but we developed those capabilities from doing this over and over and right. over again. Yeah. But where we also have to be on, on, we have to study an equal amount of Western medicine because most people sure. are coming in with a Western diagnosis. So I don't, I don't know mm -hmm. if everybody realizes that in, in getting to the point where we are licensed, there's a huge amount of, of Western bioscience classes, mm -hmm. the anatomy and the physiology, the mm -hmm. pathophysiology. Mm -hmm. Palpation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of those classes that we have to be well-versed in, in mm -hmm. addition to all of the Asian medicine aspect of it. Hence the gluteus maximus and minimus, yes. not the butt muscle. Yes. We were just talking about languages <laughs> and what you what language you pick to study. And mm -hmm. so when I went to look at PCOM, yeah. um, they had said, if you have to take a language when you go back to where you're going, they said, if the school offers it, take Chinese, mm -hmm. which it was super helpful that mm -hmm. I had sure. a year of Chinese because then you can see in the names of the points and the, in the herbs and all of that. But- if I had known the amount of Latin right. that we would need to know, I think in high school I would have taken Latin right. as opposed to French because right, right. I don't think that that did anything for me in the long run. <laughs> other than it sounds beautiful, but I don't think mm -hmm. I sounded right. beautiful right. with it. Like, you know, there's so much. And someone was like, is there really that much Latin? And I'm like, every single mm -hmm. muscle, mm -hmm. all these different, you know, anatomy and physiology aspects. Right. And then when you get to herbs... You're learning the pinyin and the Latin and, and what it translates to in, in American as well. There's right, all right. those parts of it and having to study where they go. And yeah. so, yeah, there's I think there's a lot more involved than people realize. I mean, yeah. I get the did you go to a weekend class for this? And I'm like, no. Right. I'm right. like, I, I mean, now both of us have our doctorate, but minimally you have to have a master's degree. Mm -hmm. And then like we were talking about in New Jersey, you have to have a separate bachelor's degree from the one that the acupuncture school issues to you. So right. it's a lot of yep. education. It's a very high yep. standard. that you're People to. ask me and I say, well, it starts with a bachelor's degree. Which needs in that you need uh, some of the sciences, biology, right. chemistry, physics, maybe. I think my physics was allowed or something like that. Yeah. And then you get to acupuncture school. Right. You know, and really you do a pre-med. Yeah. Like I had to go to the local community college and, and take part of the nursing program. Right. And then you study Chinese medicine. And right. And you learn everything from the Chinese perspective. So we, we have a basics in Western medicine, right. at least at the basic nursing level. Yeah. And then we've got the Chinese uh, right. diagnosis, which is a whole different animal. Right. Like, like we've said with the tongue and wet and dry and hot and cold. And right. then there's the poles, you know, and there's so many other factors. Right. right. You know, just yeah. listening to people and talking and the tone of their voice. Right. And, and the shape of their face and, yeah. and even their hands and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it reminds me of that, you know, the, the thing. People say, uh, when you don't understand something, it appears like it's magic. 
right? Right. But when you really see the full system, you realize yeah. Chinese medicine really is a scientific system that, that right. that's, uh, you know, it's very systematized. There's, yes. It's not like, oh, uh, I, I felt, you know, a ghost in the room, so I'm going to do this. <laughs> right. it's, it's really not the way it works. Right. You know, and if, if people, if there's an acupuncturist out there telling you that, you can go find somebody else. <laughs> you know, if you believe that, please enjoy yeah. that experience and right. I hope you benefit from it. And maybe you will. And I don't see any problem with that. But there's a lot. Behind Chinese it. medicine is a very systematized, scientific, structured. Right. And I do think in terms system. of science, that's one of the things that I think are like from when I first started in acupuncture school, there were not a lot of studies and yeah. the scientific method of certain things and the way a Western model works when they're <clears> doing <throat> research doesn't always work for us because right. again, five people can come in with a headache. They don't all need the same points. So then right. if you get results that that study didn't work, did it not work because you didn't use for their pattern? They're not distinguishing, but I am seeing more, especially when I did the doctorate, when I was doing a lot of, um, I did a lot of my papers on endometriosis because that's so near and dear to me. And the amount of articles that pertained to mm. acupuncture and endometriosis that were out, that they were showing that in studies that acupuncture was more effective than non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, NSAIDs, in, in the sense that there's a cancer marker that they use, CA-125, um, which is, it's not specific to endometriosis, but it can indicate endometriosis or ovarian cancer. And that patients with endo who had acupuncture, that marker comes down. You're not going to get that with an NSAID. So it's fantastic that you can find more scientific research now. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. at the same time, this medicine is so old, I feel like, why do we have to justify it? But that's what they want for, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, to be accepted. Yeah. Well, uh, my, my feeling about why do we have to justify is is the perceptions is that's what you're really working with right, right. Is, is things exist whether you believe in them or not and then once we prove that they exist using a certain model then people buy into it and they right. say okay i can believe that because this is the model i live by you right know, uh, reproducible you know right scientific method right yeah. but after a while people start to say well I saw it happen to my mom. I saw it happen to my uncle, my, my sister. My wife's now pregnant. Right. You know, we have three healthy babies or something like that. Right. And they say, you know, I had a patient who had Bell's palsy and he said, if you told me to stand on my head and reach for my toes, I would do it because this worked for me. Right. The results are there. You can't deny them. Right. What was different between, you know, last Saturday and, and today in in this person's life was he got acupuncture. Right. And now his face is not paralyzed anymore. Right. But at the same time, one of my favorite things is when people try everything and you know that what you're doing has made a difference and they're like, I feel so much better, but I have no idea why. Yeah, it could like, be. It, it, it might be. I, I don't know. It's, yeah. I, I don't think it has anything to do with what you're doing right. and what you've but done I, in the last four weeks. But, but I see that know. as an evolution, though, because the next time they come, they say, <clears throat> no, I'm feeling better. And then they start asking other questions like, do you work on my wife's problem, you know, or something like that? It turns out that now they're starting to think of their friends who can be be who can right. benefit from this. Yeah. And they start coming in. And next right. thing you know, you've got 
you know, a believer or a benefactor. Right. You know, someone who will really go to bat for you. Yeah. It, it, with my allergy treatment, I had somebody who was hemming and hawing on it, but she was getting acupuncture. And she said, okay, let me try it. And two or three treatments in, we took care of her, uh, her pollen allergy and her weed allergy. And next thing I know, she sent a friend of hers. And then she sent another friend of hers. Right. And that friend's son is coming. And then that person, the, right. the one with the son, she just said to me yesterday, she said, I'm having someone else come in to see you. So it's the commercial that was popular for the shampoo when we were yeah. kids. And I they told, told their friends and they told their friends and so on and so on. Um, so one of the things that I also wanted to talk about today was how we operate a little bit more on, well, we try to mm -hmm, on a wellness mm -hmm, model mm -hmm, versus mm -hmm. the sick care model that we want people coming in, like the person who's sitting at home and thinks, well, I don't, there's nothing I'm really thinking of that I can, what do I need acupuncture for? Everyone can benefit from it. I don't know anyone who doesn't have stress. Yeah. And, um, I was reading, Carrie Fisher's book, Wishful Drinking, and I liked this quote, a problem derails your life and an inconvenience is not being able to get a seat on the derailed train. So I feel like come in before you're on the train that has crashed, get a seat on you know, the, the train right. that there is and hop on the path to wellness first. Right. And, and we see this other one all the time. I see it in memes everywhere on social media. If you don't take time for your health, you'll be forced to make time for your illness. So I, you know, we want mm -hmm. people coming in before mm -hmm. it's because the longer people wait, at least in my experience, and I'm, I'm going to assume it's the same in yours mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. other acupuncturists out there. If you've had something for six months, I am not getting rid of it the first day that you come in. <laughs> because if I could, if I was that amazing, and, and you and I have sure. talked about this, I would charge $1,000 a visit, and I would work one day a week, and I would be in the Bahamas sipping some <laughs> sort of fruity you know, drink the whole rest of the week. So right. I feel right. like you know, it definitely takes longer the more someone is into an illness, and they've you know, searched out all these other methods and we're their last resort and they want it to work because the Western model is, is you go to your doctor and they give you that magic pill, mm -hmm. but then the magic pill doesn't necessarily work. So I feel like, you know, sure. that whole aspect of yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. That was my experience. The magic pills didn't work for me. So when I found this, I thought, wow, I finally found something that really makes a difference in people's lives. Right. Yeah. So, and that realistic expectation, um, though, you didn't go and feel better from one visit. Right. You were probably seeing him for right. a while for right. the back pain. Right. And it, it didn't yeah. go, you know, yeah. didn't, uh, with one the point, digestive stuff, too. Mm -hmm. At one point, I said to him after maybe a month or something like that. And in that month, I had lost 15 pounds. Uh, I was sleeping better. You know, all my symptoms were going away. Uh, I said, how long is this going to take? You know, because that's really what. An American thing, yeah. right? Yeah, how long is it going to take? When are we going to be done with this? Instant gratification. And he said, three months. And I said, why so long? And he said, because your body is healing itself. And the light bulb went off in my head of like, oh, this isn't an outside thing. This is really right. an inside thing. Is my right. body is, is, you know, we're turning the ship around, so to speak, right? right. And, a, and a big ship doesn't turn around on a dime. Yeah. It takes time. But when it's turned around, now it's turned around. And right. It's, it's much more healthy. And I also feel you know? like that plays into like... You know, because I do get that life gets in the way. Someone who has been in to see us and gone through that and they maybe fell off their maintenance plan. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's usually e easier to get them back on the path when they come back. Mm 
mm-hmm. versus that first time that they came in and had something where they're like, I've had headaches for 10 years and no one could explain why. And maybe it took three months to get it under control. Like, I, And I really feel with gynecological conditions, that's definitely, it takes about three months to regulate sure. the cycle. Absolutely. Um, because you have to have one cycle mm-hmm. and see what happened. Did it make the, you know, did yeah. the bleeding go away? Yeah. And, and that kind of thing. Um, well, and some of that goes into really the, the how we're still um, connected to Western science, for lack of a better phrase, because it's it's all about cellular regeneration. Yeah, because you can't rebuild a uterine lining in a week. Right, it doesn't work that way. Right, you know your your blood cells last for months. Right, so you're not going to cure a blood or change a blood chemistry right. issue overnight. Overnight, yeah, you know, bones. Cells last a lot longer. Right. And we are really stimulating osteoblasts to create new bone tissue. Right. That's yeah. one of the that's one of the things the laser does. Yeah. Which we'll we'll get to it another episode. Um, so we were talking about insurance and packages mm. and treatment protocols. And and I think this is the other hard thing when you're putting this model into play is that everyone pays so much into their insurance and comes in and assumes that their insurance is gonna cover what we do. And most of the time it does not. Right. I mean, I took a my first insurance billing class back when Hurricane Sandy happened. And I remember only because the hotel was on a generator and the, it was held by one of the main liability insurance companies that we use, like a lot of practitioners use. And the person who was hosting had said, you know, only 1% cover nationwide. And, you know, <laughs> once it jumps to 2%, you'll have all these people coming in your door. And what we've seen in New Jersey is that companies, particularly, there's one big one that covered pretty well, has been lowering reimbursements. And like, I, when you do the numbers, I'm like, well, my standard of care is I reserve an hour for a patient. They're usually in and out in 45 minutes. But especially with GYN conditions, a lot Mm -hmm. of times there's a lot of tears and I don't Mm -hmm. want to tell somebody shut up, you know, because I want them to let it go. Um, And I think I did the math and I would need to see 108 patients a week, which is not for me. And and there are models that Mm -hmm. operate that way. And I'm not downplaying that, but I see a lot of complex cases and I don't like an insurance company dictating to me how my patient's care Mm -hmm. is going to be. Um, so we were talking about that. That's, you know, one of the things that we explain. Yeah. And I liked how you had said it, that, you know, maybe they'll cover some of it, but yeah. chances are they won't. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, the insurance company it has your money and they don't want to give it back to you. Right. As, as a, that's how they make their money. As a subscriber. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we, I do what I can to help them. But at the end of the day, I, I need to make a living and pay the rent. Right. Know? So... I'm moving to a model where, you know, I, I charge what I charge and I will even submit for them. Right. But they'll get reimbursed. Right. Because very often I'm not in any networks. Neither because, am I. Uh, which is another story. But I'm not in the network. So they'll get the check back because I'm not in the network. Right. And I'm not in the network because they pay so little. And right. now I'm waiting for that money. And then it gets denied. And it, it's it's such a hassle. Right. For me that I would actually have to hire somebody. Right. To, to do all that. And now that will drive my costs up even further. Right. Or then you, know. you have patients, I mean, not that it happens often, where they just don't even bring the check to you. And I'm like, right. hey, yeah. 
you know, you know, I have kids that don't eat the paper that I write my notes on, <laughs> like, you know, are you out having dinner on, you know, my mm -hmm. work mm -hmm. time? Right. Um, so, yeah, it becomes this thing where you right. don't want to have to chase them down. It's this element of just dealing with it that way. And right. like, sure, I'll submit right. as a courtesy. Right. But when you come in, you can write me the check then. Mm -hmm. or... And that's why I try to bring it back to the well care that right. we were talking about, right? Is that we want to help them take care of themselves right. and couch it more like we're the insurance, right? right? By coming to me, you're actually right. investing in yourself. That, exactly. That you're not going to get sick. And I have so many of my patients who tell me that, right? Right. Everyone else in the office or in the classroom or somewhere uh, are sick this week, but I'm not sick at all. But you're not even treating them for that necessarily. Right. It's just the, yeah. this bonus side effect right. of that they are healthier right. because they're getting acupuncture. Right. I feel like we hear that so many times, like I'm treating someone for lower back pain and they're like, hey, you know, normally at this time of the year, I've been sick I would, twice. Uh, right. I would have had this, that and the other thing. Do you think it's the acupuncture? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's an investment. Really yeah. for them and that's the that's the um, mindset shift that's on us and them to focus on is right do you want to take care of yourself or do you want to chase after forty dollars right what, what is it worth to you to feel better you know like my shoulder patients this, this week or my allergy patients you know the for them to not have to take or go find uh, drugs um, to so they can breathe. Right. To have to close the windows all the time because the pollen is Or not be able around. to go outside because right. the pollen is blowing right. around. Go from the house into the car, close up the windows, put on the air conditioning because of that sort of stuff. Or the cricket player who I'm, I'm treating, who wants to get back to playing cricket. It's driving them nuts. Right. You know, that, that frustration level, right? You know, first you have the injury and then you have the frustration, you know, psychological suffering of not being able to do what you want to do. Which then That's disrupts the, the chi even more and creates, right. you know. Now that getting that starts getting into digestive stuff, right. and, you know, um, physiology of, you know, the liver and the spleen and so right. on and so on. So uh, that's what I try to bring yeah. it back to. Which is uh, what's great about doing packages for patients right. because then right. they can then you can say, okay, we're going to do twice a week for a month mm -hmm. and then we're going to reassess at the end of the month exactly. and see where you are. And and the goal is to get you on to a maintenance plan so that you're yeah. not in here twice a week for the rest of your life or whatever is going on. And that when other things come up, you've already been taking care of your body and we can tackle it a lot quicker when they, you know, when mm -hmm. that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. but less people think that we do all the work. Cause I just feel like we facilitate part of it. We're just there to, you know, kickstart the healing, but it's up to them. I give mm -hmm. my patients mm -hmm. homework. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, all the time. Yep. So you had, I think you had mentioned your shoulder patients, you give them stretches, mm -hmm. your right. neuro patients, um, you give them sometimes they're depending on the situation, which, uh, the, the neurological issues can range from a, a vision problem to a, a voice problem to walking or, or activities of daily living using their hands. Okay. So it really depends on that person, what we're going to focus on first. What's more important, that they be able to walk down the hall or that they speak? 
So, you and know, we, you know we need to focus on, you know, their gait and, and, okay. and walking and stuff like that. Um, I mentioned something called Brain Gym, which you can find on the web. Lots of little exercises where, you know, we're stimulating the brain to, to recreate or, or at least enhance the connections that they have. Right. Right. A lot of crossing of the midline, if you know what that okay. means. Right. Uh, that does a lot for brain function. Left, right brain. And they do a lot of that with kids yeah. with ADHD, with autism, Asperger's, yeah. et cetera. So for me, a lot with the gynecological stuff, a lot of it is changing diet. diet. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Again, back to the sugar. Yeah. We all love it, but yeah. it causes inflammation and it wreaks havoc. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, digestive stuff, having people change their diet. And we'll talk about in, uh, our, in future podcasts, the temperature of foods and how we look at foods differently in my background, my undergrad that I needed to become an acupuncturist was in nutrition mm -hmm. and Western and, and Eastern nutrition are very, very different in right. Western nutrition. It's all about counting calories mm -hmm. and measuring mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. out. Right. And in Eastern me uh, medicine, we talk more about the temperatures of foods mm -hmm. and eating the at the right time of the year right. and nature and what's, what's, you know, indigenous to where you're living. And yes, mm -hmm. Commerce is great in that it's brought us foods that we might not normally eat, but at the same time, you might not, it might not be the time of year you should be eating that. Right, right. Um, yeah. That's why I said the nature of the food, you know, whether, yeah. is it astringing, right? Is it, is it cloying? Does it, does it help build up right. like, like your mom needed? Your mom needed to build up right. you know, to be at a healthy weight. Right. Uh, some people need to take some away and be at a healthy weight. Right. You know, there's, there's a balance. In Chinese medicine, you can be overweight and underweight. Right. Not at the same time, obviously. But you can also have high blood pressure and low blood pressure. Like we right. don't think in the West, we don't think about low blood pressure as being a problem. That's right. a problem. Low blood sugar. We know yeah. that's a problem. High blood sugar. We know that's a problem. Right. All those things, you know, if you're eating the right diet, you're balancing those. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, if someone has high blood pressure and they're eating greasy, fatty foods all the time, they're also putting a strain on their heart. And it just overall, you're not really nourishing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, another thing that I wanted us to chat about was why it works for so many different concerns and that, that we, um, again, are looking at the whole person. So it's not, you're not just a headache and we look in the textbook and say, okay, well, these 10 points are good for headaches. It's the person in front of us that has the headache and what, you know, is, do they have a headache because their digestion isn't good? Do they have a headache? because they're blood deficient? Do they have a headache because they have high blood pressure? And even if it is those things, we can break it down and say, just because it's high blood pressure for someone that they might not get the same points as the next person. Correct. Mm -hmm. um, so we very much are looking at the person who's in front of us at mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. um, and we also thought it was important that we should share what to expect from the treatment. Sure. Yep. I, I always tell people to... to um, Dress in loose-fitting clothing so we can get to um, the points. And for the most part, what I treat is uh, knees down, elbows down, yeah. maybe some abdomen points for, yeah. some, for some digestive GYN-type problems. Um, other than that, uh, the, the face, the scalp, the ears, that's that's kind of it. I try, I, I try not to have anybody disrobe. It's yeah. just my style. Some people will walk in my office and strip down to their underwear. And I tell them, you don't not, have to. <laughs> not necessary, <laughs> right? Um, but it's part of their culture. Like they have no right. problem. I'm going to the doctor. I'm just going to strip down to my underwear. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, 
then after a while they realize, okay, or they'll wear shorts or something like that is fine with me. Um, I mean, sometimes I have to get to the gluteus maximus and the minimus. Yeah. Um, and some people are great with that. Other people are a little more um, modest. But yeah. we're in a medical office and, you know, that's what we do. Right. So what we want is results, you know. Uh, I want people to really feel comfortable right. in, in, the, in the office. And, and that I, they and are really, laying down. Yes. You know, they're usually, I mean, occasionally I have someone who's sitting, but most of the time mm -hmm. they're laying down. And that you don't get up and walk around with your needles <laughs> in. You're, you know, you stay laying down. Right. Like I usually don't take your needles out, please. Right. Being from Jersey, I try and add as much snarkiness as I can into the treatment room. Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. I do that as I'm walking out the door, is everything comfortable? And I'm like, don't try and get up and run away. I'll come back. The first time they come in, I check on them. But usually yeah. after that, people right. don't. Yeah. On subsequent visits, they just want to relax. Um, I use the baked potato blanket. <laughs> do you oh, use the baked okay. potato blanket? Um, yes, so it's I like a them. mylar blanket that doesn't push the needles. Yeah, in. Super so the runner's light. blanket, yeah. Right. And yeah. I, yeah, called the baked potato blanket. The baked potato blanket. I, yeah. I didn't think to call it that. That's good. Yeah. But I, but I will say, you know, yeah. you're done. You know, you're, you're baked. <laughs> you're, you're cooked. I'll you come know. back when you're cooked. Time to, yeah. time to turn the turkey over or yep. something like that. But um, one thing I always tell patients the first time is do not lie here uncomfortable. Yes. Right? Let's say I, I put a needle in, in their arm or their hand and they went to scratch their nose or something and now it hurts. Yeah. It almost never happens. But I tell people, please call out. Right. No one will be offended. You're not going to disturb anybody else. Right. Let me know. And it almost never comes right. to that. But every once in a while, there's just one person who will do that. And they'll say, <laughs> I was in pain. I said, why didn't you tell me? Right. And the reason I do that is a friend of mine went to some very well-known acupuncturist in New Jersey. And put, the guy put a needle in his, in his calf probably... Probably GB 34 or stomach Maybe, 36. Maybe, something like that. And it hurt. And he laid there for 40 minutes in pain yeah. with like rice paper walls between the treatment oh, rooms. No. He didn't want to scare anybody or offend anybody. So he didn't tell the guy. And the yeah. guy kind of forgot about him. And when he finally came back, he's like, yeah, my leg hurt. He's like, oh, you should have told me. And just pulled the needles out and sent them on his way. And he never went back because it was yeah. painful. His experience was that it was right. painful, which was completely not how it should be. Yeah, I tell people they should be able to fall asleep. In fact, when mm -hmm. when I'm putting them in and I ask if everything feels comfortable and same thing, I want them to call me if it doesn't. I feel like if that's all you're thinking about for 30 minutes with that <laughs> one needle that hurts, right. that's more of an issue than me walking back in the room because I feel like you're not going to relax. And not that it, the treatment won't work, yeah. but it's so much more effective if you can get into the zone. Mm -hmm. That like acupuncture drunk kind of feeling. And and you do feel so relaxed. And I want them there yeah. because I feel like it works more. Yeah. Um, we also talked about mentioning just for so people are aware. Don't discredit acupuncture if the first practitioner you go to isn't a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, to I think was it you who used the analogy of dating? You may go on a date and find it's not the right person, but you're not going to stop. Oh, okay. So somebody had said that to me <laughs> at one point, that, that it's sort of like dating and that right. you have to look at it as, you know, you might not find the practitioner who's right for you on that first visit and to be open to the idea that it's not that yeah. acupuncture. And, and I, again, yeah. I feel like everyone tells me they leave feeling relaxed. Um, I, I get a little disheartened when someone says I tried acupuncture. 
and the, and they're like, it didn't work, but they've mm. only tried it once and they didn't follow through with a treatment plan mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, they didn't mm-hmm. try another sure. practitioner. So yeah. being open to the idea of you might not find that good fit on, I mean, I, I of course want everyone who comes to see me to love me immediately. <laughs> um, and I want to be their practitioner, but you know, if I'm not, I don't want them to not, yeah. you know, to not try it again. Right. That there's, you know, there's, even though there's not a lot of us in New Jersey, there's other ones out there. And, you know, my hope is that people will listen beyond New Jersey and Mm -hmm, try mm -hmm. acupuncture and search out other practitioners if they don't Mm -hmm. find the right one. Um, So anything else you wanted to share today? Uh, After a treatment, I tell people, you know, try to take it easy that day. Yeah. Right. Um, I definitely tell orthopedic people if they feel better to not go lifting things. Yes. You know, I had an elderly woman. She had to be in her 80s. Um, gave her a back treatment. Got off the table. She was nice and felt limber and great. She emptied her attic that afternoon. <gasps> oh, no. No. And no, wound no, up no. just as bad as the, yeah. the day she came in. <laughs> no, <laughs> I said, I told you, but I felt so much better, she said. Yeah. And she, she just insisted on being active because it had been so long and she it's, needed to clear out her say, attic and such and such. S- you know, I had another guy mow his entire lawn with a push lawn oh, mower, wow. you know, front and backyard. And, and you know, it wound up in agony. Oh, you know. that's bad. Yeah. Um, Not good. But the other part of that is after a few treatments, they can do something like that. Right. And their recovery time actually improves. Right. Or they don't feel as bad. Yes. Or they don't feel bad at all, hopefully. Right. That, that's the best outcome. It really depends on how long the problem is there and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. I always tell people that, um, you know, the the reaction they're going to get is a, is a product of how bad the problem is, how long it's been there, right. how much they've taken care of themselves or how much load they're put on themselves, right? If, right. They're, if they're drinking a bottle of whiskey a day and they're sedentary and they've got lower back pain, which probably means they have lower GI issues too. Right. Uh, yeah. We're not going to see that much results here yeah. unless you stop. You right. know, I actually turned away a patient who was a um, skier and he said, well, I'm not going to stop skiing. I'm going to go skiing every weekend. I'm gonna, I, I always fly out to Vail every weekend and I ski. And so I'll see you during the week. And I said, well, that's not really going to work because you're just going to keep re-injuring your shoulders by pulling. Right. And he's like, yeah, I really pull a lot and all that stuff. You know, it was pretty obvious um, between the two of us. And I said, I don't think I can really help you if yeah. that's what you're going to do. Yeah. And he said, okay, I'll find somebody else. Please do. Right. Okay. Yeah, I try and, and be as upfront as possible. I feel like, you know, if if I know ahead of time that I see that someone is not going to follow through, I just I just feel like they're wasting their time. Yeah. And I don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. I I want to yeah. work with people who yeah. want to not that they have yeah. to follow everything. I mean, I there are certain things that I feel like you have to make small changes with. If somebody is mm-hmm. drinking a liter bottle of Coke. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that I'm not getting them to stop drinking that liter bottle of Coke every day mm-hmm. when they leave my office. But I, I'll say to them, how about you, you know, pour one cup of it out and don't mm-hmm. drink that one cup mm-hmm. and let's mm-hmm. get off mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. amount of like crappy sugar that has no nutritional value at all. Right. Right. So. And this gets back to priorities, right? Of, right. Of, of having them set priorities of what they really want. Right. And the, the acupuncture treatments are just part of that plan right. for them to get healthy. 
Yes. And they're not going to get healthy just by right. taking acupuncture. Right. You know? I mean, I wish I could do that much. Wouldn't that be great? I, I would be amazing. But It'd be $1,000 a treatment exactly. one day a week. Exactly. So. so our next, well, should we check and see if there are any comments that we should have addressed? I think it was just like a ton of highs. <laughs> so hi back to everybody. Um, yeah. And it was just an introduction. We're going to definitely ask people if they to be more interactive in our future podcasts. Um, I'm going to share that our email for the podcast is practicalmedicinepodcast at gmail.com. Um, people can also message us through the Facebook page, the inter Instagram page, if they have questions or topics that they want rob and i to discuss we definitely sure. want to see what you know people want to learn more about right. we have a long list of things to talk about but we'd love to hear from you right of what you would like to what everybody covered. else wants to hear and we're going to have some guests over yes. time there's no shortage of awesome people that we work with yeah that, uh, i'd love to have come on and talk about uh conditions or specialties, or specialties that we don't and styles and stuff like that yeah yeah, yeah. um so our next um podcast is scheduled for Monday, October 5th at 7 p.m. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about what to do in the fall, because there is this seasonal component component of Asian medicine that you want to eat with the seasons and exercise with the seasons and prepare for certain things that change in terms of the weather during, mm -hmm. during mm -hmm. the season. So yep. we're going to chat about that. And then the subsequent podcasts, we're each going to talk about our specialties. Mm -hmm. So for the fifth Monday. <clears throat> Did you ever notice that uh, when it's sixty degrees out, you're freezing? Yes. And, right. And when when it's um, January and it's forty degrees out, and you go outside, you're like, "Wow, it's nice and warm." Right. Right. We're gonna explain how all that works. Right. And what you can do to prepare and stay healthy through the season, because this is this is a time where a lot of people get sick, right? Right. Right. With respiratory problems. Yes. There's a connection there too. Right. So we're gonna chat about all of that. So thanks everybody for listening, and we look forward to seeing you in like a week and a half. And mm -hmm. the, our new time, will we're gonna try and stick with Mondays because mm -hmm. we think that'll be a good time in the evening, end of the day. People winding down can listen after dinner. That's right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. The contents presented during the Practical Medicine Podcast include information about various modalities that exist to achieve health and wellness and are for informational purposes only. You acknowledge and agree that the following disclaimers and warnings shall apply to all content presented. The podcast contains the opinions of Dr. Robert Balco, D-A-C-L-A-C, and Dr. Stephanie Lipnicki, D-A-C-M-L-A-C, and the guests of their show. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding any medical condition. The views expressed in the Practical Medicine Podcast are our own and do not represent those of all licensed acupuncture professionals. Always seek the help of your own acupuncturist or medical provider to determine your best course of action. You may want to use the information presented as a supplement to better understand your diagnosis or treatment. 
but it should not be the sole thing that you use to make important medical decisions. Do not use the content of the podcast in lieu of medical advice. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking care because of something you have heard on this podcast. Privacy is important to us. Thus, all people, places, and scenarios have been changed where applicable to protect privacy and maintain confidentiality.